I've been wanting a trip to Colorado for years, but hadn't had the incentive to go until recently. The name of that incentive was Darren Sanderson. We had met on a dating site a little over two months prior. After a lot of research, saving, and planning, my room was booked. An itinerary was set. Everything was all mapped out. I was determined to make it the best trip of my life. It was about an eight hour drive, and I thought it would be cathartic to drive in solitude and experience some new things. I wasn't trying to get laid though. Colorado had some recreational activities that weren't as widely accepted at home. A friend of mine, Colleen, just moved from there and said there was everything you could imagine. Cannabis popcorn, gummies, brownies, cakes, lollipops, truffles. Basically anything and everything that I wanted the pot in. After getting my car in shape and receiving the requested time off work, I was Colorado bound. No animals, children, or partner left behind to worry about. I could enjoy my trip without worries of home. A true vacation. Just me, the open I-70, and all the wonders that Colorado had to offer. Copper Mountain was rumored to be unbelievably beautiful. I was fortunate enough to have been able to travel there while it was still snowfall season. I always had a deep fascination with snow and the mountains. The plan was to drive out in the early morning on my way back home, pull over as I could, and soak in all her majestic beauty. I have to say, the land there was absolutely breathtaking. So many natural wonders that I wouldn't have seen had I not taken the chance. For a while, a slight anxiety crept in the back of my mind about the solitary venture. Now that I'd completed most of the drive, I was thankful for my decision. The lone, open air on the I-70 was just what I needed. The windows were as far down as I could stand, and it was freezing on a level that my body and mind wasn't used to. The frigid winds bit at my face with purpose. They felt the warmth of my blood, wanted to do battle, and I was no match. After good vibrations finished its last notes, I reached my first destination. The timing was perfect, almost as if the Beach Boys were foreshadowing an amazing experience, but no. Darren ended up being a dud, a total bro. The walls of the place were filled with beer girl pinups. First night, he actually jumped when I put my hand on his leg. However, many edibles were sampled, sightseeing, new strains bought for later exploration, and many deep trips indulged in. After having visiting most of the dispensaries I had researched and conquering the best-reviewed restaurants, it was time to head out. In case of munchies, I had massive leftovers from breakfast place I had discovered. The huevos rancheros was phenomenal. Eggs over easy atop of a gorgeous pile of fried nacho chips and every topping imaginable. Copper Mountain was just barely visible on the horizon, and I was already in love. 
The scene behind it was a swirling collaboration of pinks and oranges as the sun prepared to make its ascent into the sky. Impatience was getting the best of me. She was right there in my line of sight, but still so far away. In retrospect, it felt like I had been approaching the mountain for hours. I kept the peak between my thumb and forefinger. Before much longer, the space was too wide to measure with my hand. Cool relief washed over me. It was enormous. The feeling of my own insignificance starting to grow next to that unfathomable natural wonder. I had wanted, no, needed to experience something bigger than myself. A taste of the bigger picture to remind me of what was really important. One day I'm a little boy playing with trains and watching cartoons. Then, before I knew it, I was 42 and so many things had happened in between. Over the years though, the memories got pushed over the precipice of my recollection, like one of those quarter machines at the arcade, each coin an old, dusty memory falling over the cliff. My fear was if I didn't stop to reflect, it would all pass me by. I pulled over and turned the car off. This was going to be an experience to remember on my deathbed. I sat spacing out in wonder for a while, then it was time for some tunes. Following my personal bible, I chose my mountainside playlist, Welcome to the Machine by Pink Floyd. My eyes closed as I rested my head back in the seat. The vibrations of the sound seemed to sink to the beat of my heart. The rocking of the car jolted me out of my trance. My eyes flew open. Percussions of my once favorite song warped, and the beats of my heart were erratic with anxiety. What I saw in the window made my blood colder than anything the Colorado winters had to offer. Off to the side of the car, the mountains had disappeared in a blanket of thick white mist, snow jetting towards the road instantly. I fumbled with my keys. Attempting to reverse my car in quick retreat, the effects of the avalanche wouldn't reach me, I thought, but I wanted to be safe. The engine responded with a series of disheartening clicks. The frigid moisture must have had an effect, and a little over an hour was all it took. The siren at the end of the song reached its crescendo, and I felt a shock resonate throughout the car. My head slammed into the steering wheel. Then there was nothing, only black. I awoke to a heinous beeping sound, phone alert. The battery was about to die, 3% charge. My hand flew to a throbbing pain in my left temple. Pulling my hand away, my fingers gleamed red with blood. I'd been hit hard. Darkness enveloped my every vantage point. Still reeling from my head injury, I felt for my keys and attempted to restart the vehicle. Same result. With each empty click from the engine bringing me steps closer to madness. Out of everything that bothered me about the situation, the silence was the worst. It was utterly head-splitting. 
Only my increasing heart rate assured me that I hadn't gone completely deaf. My hands flew to the driver door handle. I pulled until my fingertips were numb. Absolutely nothing happened. It felt like my car was pressurized, trapped in ice. There was no way out for me there, but I was sure I wasn't the only one to travel this road. The county would come out to clear it for travelers and find me. I have no idea how long I'd been trapped in my car at this point. The senses I took for granted eluded me as time either flew or crept by. I couldn't be sure which. The air in the car had become steadily colder, and before I knew it, my breath iced on the mirror. Breathing became painful with each puff as my lungs struggled to adjust. Fading in and out of consciousness, I knew I had to do something, anything to stay awake. My stomach screamed at me in need. With each churn of my stomach eating away the lining of my gut, I recalled the huevos rancheros that had been in the car with me for God knows how long. It would be cold, but still edible. I leaned back and grabbed the container. The squeak of the styrofoam was a spike in the silence of the buried vessel. Opening the container emitted a smell that I couldn't and frankly didn't want to place. Ignoring my better judgment, I ravenously shoved the food into my mouth. The sauce that had been enticing was now sour and clotted, the eggs stale. I pushed through the smell and continued chewing without breathing, but my gag reflex convulsed in protest. Though I needed food and energy, the rancid breakfast provided no comfort. My stomach was now like a flower desperately in need of rain, but then doused in gasoline. There was nothing to do but sit and wait in mental agony. I looked around the inside of my car and made up my mind right then and there. This was not going to be the last thing I saw in life. The snow had to have buried me pretty deep to turn my car into this sensory deprivation chamber of hell. Without many options and an anxiety attack imminent, I had decided to break out a new strain that I had brought for the trip home. Impeccable. Upon meeting my flame to the glass, the red hairs of the nugget danced in anticipation. I inhaled in an attempt to push my rising panic away. I had traded my air for pleasure. For a few fleeting moments, it worked. I found myself caught up in the flowing upholstery. My worries were placed with the newfound confidence of an assured rescue. The snow couldn't be this thick forever. Eventually it would thin out enough for my car to be visible. Infinite time passed. Then the dread I felt before assaulted my senses tenfold. Isolation. A fear that I'd never considered before today. My trip of self-discovery and solitude warped, attacking my spirit like a murder of crows. Vomit spurted through my chattering teeth as my meal turned on me like every evil of the world, my esophagus powerless against it. 
My stomach folded into a jagged origami of cramps, my panic increasing with every heave. Something had to find me here while I was still alive. Then something happened. I was enveloped in a comforting surge of warmth. It started at my toes and slowly but steadily made its way up through my body. Before long, I was overwhelmed with heat. The urge to take my clothes off was almost undeniable. My mind quickly losing all rationality, a song played through its recesses. One is the loneliest number that you'll ever do. Two can be as bad as one. It's the loneliest number since the number one. 24 hours now, or more. Not that there was any way to keep track. My car was dead. My phone was dead. The only thing with any semblance of life was me. And that was debatable. I was trying my absolute hardest to keep it together. But the closeness of my surroundings was getting to me. No longer able to deny the urges of my tested body, I removed my shoes. The nerve endings of my feet were ablaze with fire and desperately needed relief. My throat absolutely ached with thirst and my bladder was stretched to its limit. Killing two innocent birds with one stone, I took a discarded cup from my back seat and prepared my painful member for release. Ugh, the relief of the pressure in my gut was intensely pleasurable. Applying my survival show knowledge and setting pride aside, I raised the cup and sloshed it against my lips. Suddenly repulsed, I let it fall to the floorboards and prayed I wasn't at that level of desperation yet. My toes and my fingers were past the point of mental cooperation, but I attempted to start the vehicle. Nothing. Suddenly, there was a change outside of the car. I actually thought I was hearing sound. The whirring of the tires flew past the edges of my hearing, every sound bringing my heart to life one capillary at a time. The road must have been cleared. I pressed my ear to the glass and recognized the telltale clunk of the snow plow. I was gonna be okay. I braced myself for impact, but it never came. If there was cars on the road, they weren't anywhere near me. The sound faded as quickly as it appeared. Then my heart sunk as resounding thuds salted the roof. I must have gotten pushed off the road during the avalanche. The last thing my eyes saw before my body died would be a death mask of endless white. I couldn't think of anything to do but sit and hope that the snow melted soon enough for my car to be visible. No, 
that can't be how this ends. Then, in an idea, the zipper of my backpack was agonizingly loud against the deafness of my ice tomb. No matter how slowly I moved it, a swirl of my hand around the bag brought me to my container. The label on it read, Jedi Mindfuck. <laughs> this ought to be good. May the force be with me, I thought. My frigid fingers failed me as I tried to roll a joint. <sighs> Bowl it was. The more pus that I took, the more scenarios leading to my death would fade from my mind. Get it together and come up with a plan. If I go down, I'm going to go down swinging. The smoke burned as it filled my lungs. Before I knew it, I was hacking up a storm. Not very smooth for something so expensive. Once I started coughing, I found it impossible to stop. I could feel a burning in my face as the loss of air temporarily separated me from my cognitive abilities. I achieved it so hard I pissed a little. <laughs> the warm liquid felt heavenly on my cold skin. My mouth was achingly dry. I did a quick mental search of the contents of the car and remembered there was a water bottle in my trunk at some point. Folding myself until my knees cracked, I crawled over to access the trunk through the back seat and found the most beautiful thing I had ever seen in my life. Cracked lips and tongue yearning for relief. I downed that bottle way faster than I'd meant to. It hit the bottom of my stomach like an ice cube in a bucket of sand. I hardly had time to panic over it before it came back up to greet me. My stomach emptied, having rejected the sudden intake of fluid. It was between heaves that I noticed it. The air. The air seemed to become thicker inside the car, my breath shallower by the minute. I looked to the air vents and could have sworn I saw a luminescent mist seeping out. My eyes followed it as it danced peacefully in the front seat. I ran my fingers through it and found myself giving way to a full-blown fit of giggles. <laughs> it then occurred to me that maybe this pearly mist was toxic. Oh my god. I yanked the collar of my shirt over my nose in panic. The giggles quickly gave way to terrified sobs. God knows how much of it had already been inhaled. I thought maybe it was the Jedi mindfuck, but the color was different from the haze of smoke that hotboxed the car. I jammed my eyes closed. When I reopened them, the mist had disappeared. Delirious and out of breath, I struggled with my mind to come with a solution. In a flash of hope, I grabbed my book bag and started rifling through. What I needed had to be in there somewhere. I never left home without it. Ah, okay. My hand emerged with the solid metal mass of my grinder. All I needed was to break the window 
then burrow my way out of the snow. There was maybe a foot of it at most if I was able to hear traffic. Raising my arm back as far as I could, I smashed the grinder into the window. Nothing. I pounded until my hand bled from the impact. Then, just in the right corner, the smallest of cracks appeared. Repositioning my angle, I concentrated on it for dear life. After the third smash, the window shattered. Glass consumed every inch, the corners of my eyes, my mouth, my neck. I didn't care, though. I was about to be out of this hellhole. Thoughts of tropical winters and warm sunsets filled my mind as I struggled to brush the glass off myself. Besides several shallow cuts on my fingertips, I was pretty much unscathed. All I needed to do now was push through the snow. It was becoming more and more difficult to get a clear breath of air. Black squiggly lines enveloped my vision and it felt like everything was sideways. The car got smaller with every attempt at breath. It was all too much. The smoke, the stagnant air of the car, the smell of so much piss. It was all too much. I jammed my fist into the snow outside of the window and instantly shattered a knuckle. Maybe a whole metacarpal. My fist burned white hot and I screamed until I could no longer breathe. There was no snow, only ice. Tears cascaded down my face, forming a puddle on my collar. The once warm urine on my legs was frozen. My hands flew around the floorboards of the car. I looked in horror to see I was slicing open my already battered fingers, but I couldn't feel it. The socks I had discarded earlier were covered in bits of either glass or ice at that point. It was all the same. Both were cold and razor sharp. Wrapping my hands in my socks for protection, I began banging away with the grinder again. There had to have been a way out of there. Maybe the layer was so thin and all I had to do was break it. It wasn't. My arms were numb. My muscles relenting their cooperation. I just had to keep going long enough to make a hole to crawl out of. My head was incredibly fuzzy. And I felt hot all over. It was a terrifyingly suffocating heat that invaded and consumed my body with every labored breath. I almost cried with joy as I felt a hint of air hit my face. The ice beyond was a deep crimson color. I couldn't look or think about the state of my hands. Looking would surely create a sense of panic, using up the rest of my crucial oxygen. There was still the slightest wisp of air coming through, so I had to be getting close. 
Blindly hacking at the ice, my muscles renewed with hopeful enthusiasm. Something hit the ground by my feet. With trepidation, I leaned down to retrieve what I had fallen, fearing the grinder had broken. My screams cracked the silence that had become my universe. After seeing it, I knew that my attempts at escape were over. Every scream dulled the already dark corners of my surroundings. My ears rang until it felt like they were bleeding. I couldn't breathe anymore. The air was robbed from my very existence as I felt myself slip away. My eyes fluttered open and then closed again. The lights were blindingly bright, killing my head. A hospital. My heart saddened a little when I saw the empty room. Though I don't know why I should have expected anything different. Mainly, I was just happy to be out of that damn car. I felt really hazy and out of it. I attempted to press the call button on my bed rail, only to see that both of my hands were heavily bandaged. A sickening sense of dread and recollection slowly started to invade my mind. I rammed the button with my elbow and a young nurse came rushing in. She told me to hold on for a moment and brought an older doctor to speak with me. Wearing a long white coat and a threadbare smile, he pulled up one of the seats next to my bed and began to explain. Apparently, a driver had seen my antenna poking up through the snow and called the police. They pulled over and started to dig at the snow to free me from the car. That act of kindness saved my life. He said a half and an hour more would have killed me. The driver found me unconscious, and a gray, broken-off finger clutched in one of my hands. Tears were frozen on my cheeks. I tried returning home after many weeks in the hospital, but the mental anguish was just a great. My new home is the Chestnut Ridge Mental Facility. I like it here. They gave me a special pair of earphones that block out all sounds and told me to write this all down as best as I can with my remaining fingers, three gone altogether, along with half of my left foot. My body still feels cold all the time. Inconsolable panic comes during snowstorms to the point where I need to be medicated. <sighs> I haven't spoken a word in years now. Literally can't handle the volume of my own voice. Honestly, though, even if I could, I'd never let them know. They haven't even mentioned or questioned me about Darren's body in the trunk. I'd like to keep it that way. Mm -hmm.